0: here's a very confronting and annoying controversial question is it possible that exercise makes some people fat that could be very annoying <laughs> but it's interesting because in one block of family chocolate which Ideally, it would be for the whole family, but if you're like me, you could probably eat one of those by yourself. I can eat one of these. This one's particular is my favorite breakaway, and I could eat that whole thing by myself, no challenge whatsoever. 1,000 calories. What happens to that 1,000 calories, and how do you create a body that could burn up those 1,000 calories before the fat in the chocolate could end up in your fat cell? But the interesting thing about chocolate, it has also carbohydrate and protein, sugar, carbohydrate, protein, and fat, the ultimate food, really, because it's got all the macronutrients except alcohol. Uh, The challenge, however, is the fat goes to the fat cell because it's already fat, and carbohydrate and protein have the ability to turn into fat, which means if I eat too much of anything, that whatever it is, goes into my fat cell and can end up as fat on the back of my arm, fat on my tummy, fat on my backside. So how does exercise help or does exercise make it worse? (laughs) Uh, And absolutely the challenge for us as exercise professionals is that for some people, because we've given them the wrong information, exercise ends up making people fatter. And here's the reason why. If you go and do an activity, so you move, and it seems in the exercise profession that we focus a lot on the amount of time that we move. So I did an hour walk. I went to the gym for an hour. I did a 45-minute class. I moved my body, and an hour, 60 minutes, seems like a really long time. So for somebody that has an exercise who's been quite conscious about their food and would never eat chocolate because it's got too many calories in it, too much fat in it, 1,000 calories in a block of chocolate, they go into an exercise program with a headspace that says, if I exercise, I must be burning lots of calories. I must be uh, burning up lots of energy off my body. So after I've exercised for a whole hour... I deserve a little reward. So I'm gonna have some chocolate. Now let's just say I eat the whole block and you may, that might not be you. That I might just be a bit of a guts, but if you eat a thousand calories and you've walked for an hour, what's the balance there? And there's a lot of argument about input versus output. But if you go for a walk for an hour, depending on the size of your body, how much muscle you've got, whether you're male or female and what your metabolic rate is, but you'll probably burn somewhere between three to 500 calories in an hour's walk. But in a block of chocolate, there's 1,000 calories. So what am I gonna do? <laughs> I've burnt up 500, but I've put in 1,000, which means my exercise could make me fatter. And wouldn't that be just so disheartening and discouraging for somebody, if they love food, love chocolate, love to eat they exercise hoping to burn up lots of calories so they can eat more but their exercise program doesn't help them burn fat burn calories it does but the balance is wrong and is it possible that as exercise professionals we need to understand how that physiology actually works because i don't want to be responsible for somebody starting an exercise program and that exercise program makes them fatter. how about you so here's the interesting thing, rather than focusing on how long, because an hour of anything is really long, <laughs> uh, and you might love to go out and exercise for an hour, but the challenge is from a phys- physiology point of view, that the further we get away from zero, the less likely is somebody is to do an exercise program, because most people are really happy with zero, But the further we get away from 100% effort exercise, the less energy we burn. So we we end up exercising for a long time, but we don't burn up very many calories. 300 calories, 400 calories, 500 calories in a whole hour. uh, That's a lot of time for a small energy consumption. So as an exercise professional, wouldn't it be a really good idea to give that some thought and work out... How can I still eat chocolate? How can I eat lollies and biscuits and cake and ice cream? Because for a lot of people, they are the joys in life. For a lot of people, food is an exciting part of their life. It's a social part of their life. It's the family part of their life. It's cultural and they love it. For some cultures, food is the thing. So how do we make sure that our our beautiful clients, the people that we care about, the people that we love, our family, we can make sure that they can enjoy their food, all the food that they love, without feeling guilty, without telling them can't have, mustn't have, don't have, shouldn't have. Because wouldn't that be really annoying to have a food that you really love to eat and not be able to have it anymore? And the reason I'm sharing that with you is... I have worked with so many people now over my entire career, which is why I have, I've pulled these chocolates out of my own cupboard. I have chocolate in my cupboard. I have lollies. I have ice creams in the freezer. I love having yummy things around me for this reason. I've worked with people all of my life who have a very poor relationship with food, which then unfortunately works up to a very poor relationship with themselves. And it happens for one of two reasons. They either can't have, mustn't have, don't have, shouldn't have because somebody told them that's a bad food. So they don't, 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 don't have it and then they binge it. So instead of having a little piece of chocolate, they might eat the whole block. Well, for me, uh, that isn't a binge. I'm very happy to eat the whole block. But the challenge with eating a whole block of anything, if you then feel guilty about it, means that you don't enjoy the food you feel guilty about it, you feel stressed about it, it's not an enjoyable experience. The reverse of that is somebody says can't have, mustn't have, don't have, shouldn't have, it's bad for you, it's got too many calories in it, too much fat in it. So the people that you love, the people that you care about, your clients, they don't have it, but they end up angry and annoyed and frustrated and just, I wish I could have and I can't have. So they end up miserable because the things that they love to eat are not part of their, their, I would call healthy lifestyle. For my mental health, I have lollies and chocolate and ice cream and biscuits and cake in my cupboard because I want to have a healthy relationship with my food. I love to eat food. So what does this all come down to? We don't want our food to make us fat. We don't want our food to uh, make us tired or lethargic or sick. And there's, there's a lot of challenges with obesity and being overweight and what happens to your body when it's carrying around too much fat. Uh, there are too many associated diseases Coronary heart disease, type 2 diabetes, a lot of cancer. Uh, when your arteries get clogged up, you now have uh, uh, limbs that have to get cut off. You have blindness. You have renal failure. You have Alzheimer's and dementia. When you clog up your hoses with too much food and too much sugar, that's, a, that's a really not a nice process. So how, as exercise professionals, do we make sure that people can thoroughly enjoy their food, all the foods that they love to eat, without feeling guilty but without getting fat and of course there's a very simple answer to that because the human body is designed to enjoy life and I think that we should let people know that let's enjoy our life and the simple process is whatever amount of calories your body needs how about we increase that how about we create a bigger engine If we've lost engine size as we've gotten older, so our engine has gotten old and slow and worn away, what if you rebuilt the engine so it became a high-performance machine again? And if you're a bloke, you can actually build a bigger engine. So if you were originally given an eight-cylinder engine, if you're a man, you could build that to a V12. You could even build it to a jet engine. If you're a woman, and we have to create the engine size up till about the age of 20. Here comes my little puppy dog. He's just been outside uh, to have a drink and to enjoy his life. And isn't it awesome how dogs just eat whatever they bloody well want? Well, I have to give it to them, but they thoroughly enjoy it. I love watching my dogs eat food because they've got such a passionate look in their face. And I share that with you because I often see humans eating food. Sometimes it's chocolate or ice cream, Uh, Just recently, I saw a lady eating gelati, and it's one of my favorite foods, Italian gelati I could eat every single day. I just love it. I just love it. And she looked miserable eating her ice cream. And I asked her, are you enjoying your ice cream? And she said to me, no, I shouldn't be eating this. It's bad for me. It's got too many calories. But she was eating it anyway. And that's what I don't want for people. So I would love for that lady to have an engine that can burn up every bit of gelati she puts into it so that she doesn't get fat and she doesn't feel guilty about eating it so this engine that we have inside our body it's called muscle the the muscle that we have the muscle that we can build the muscle that we can replace if we're a woman we're given a certain amount of muscle genetically of course and up until about the age of 20 maybe 25 we're still building muscle but after 25 it's called age. Sarcopenia is rotting of the flesh. We're wasting muscle away as we get older. But guess what? We don't have to allow, we don't have to allow that to happen. We can maintain our muscle and if you're a bloke you can make it bigger, which means whatever engine size you've got, even if your engine has wasted away to a two-stroke engine that hardly burns up any energy, any fuel, any calories, You can replace the muscle that you've lost, even if you're 40, 50, 60 years of age. Broody's saying, I'm 140 years of age. He's literally, my dog's 20. And as you can hear, he's still very active and moving around. So even if you've lost muscle, you can replace it. So if you're an old lady like I am, and if you haven't been doing any muscle exercise, if you haven't been doing any strength training exercise, if your body's suffering from psychopenia, which is the technical term for loss of muscle, and again, I'll use that translation, it's called rotting of the flesh. And I say that with such passion because I don't want my flesh to rot. But most importantly, I don't want to lose muscle because I love to eat this stuff. And if you have a body that has wasted away, the amount of calories that your body needs becomes less, which means if you eat the same amount of food at 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, you're gonna get fatter because your engine size has gotten smaller. So if I want to eat the same amount of food, I've gotta maintain my muscle. And if I wanna eat more food, I have to increase my muscle size. Now again, for a woman, we don't have testosterone, we don't have testicles, we have very limited capacity of putting on muscle size. But if we can replace the muscle that we've lost... So I'm very privileged because I've been exercising all of my life. And when I say privileged, it's not really. I've just been lifting heavy things and maintain my muscle, which means I have a fast metabolism. And I share that with you because I want to maintain a big engine so I can burn a large amount of fuel. A big engine burns a large amount of fuel. I'm going to say that constantly. Big engine, big fuel consumption. But also when you think about that car analogy... When you've got a big engine, that by itself requires a large amount of fuel just for it to get going. But what happens when you put your foot down? If you've got a high-performance car, if you've got a V8, or v V12, if you've got a jet engine, how much fuel does a jet engine use? Because it's got to use a large amount of energy to get going. It's got to be big to start with. And then when you put your foot down, whoa, calories burn, energy burnt, fat burnt, sugar burnt, carbohydrate burnt, protein burnt, everything gets burnt before it gets a chance to sit on the back of your arm, sit on your tummy, sit on your bum. So as an exercise professional, as somebody who genuinely cares about wanting people to be mentally healthy, not just physically healthy, wouldn't it be nice if we could say to our clients, the people we care about, what is your favorite foods or what are your favorite foods? And let's include all of them in your healthy eating plan. So if somebody likes to eat chocolate, ice cream, lollies, biscuit, cake, chips, takeaway food, wouldn't it be nice to be able to say you can enjoy all of those foods? Not just not, not you can't have them, but you can enjoy them, eat them and enjoy them. And how do we do that? We have to make sure that our clients have a big engine and they're constantly putting their foot to the floor they're constantly making sure that that engine is burning an enormous amount of fuel, and let's go back to my walking analogy. That doesn't come from plodding along. Now, a big engine still burns a larger amount of fuel as it's just idling. So, a V eight engine will burn more fuel than a two stroke just sitting in the garage if you've got the if you, if you've turned the engine on. But when you put your foot down, the big engine burns a large amount of fuel. So, if you can maintain your muscle, you have a bigger engine. But the high intense activity, put your foot down activity, is where we get changes in the body. And as exercise professionals, I think we've forgotten that if we learnt it or maybe we didn't learn it. There's three energy systems in the body. There's the phosphate system for immediate fast action, 10 seconds. There's a lactate system from 10 seconds to two minutes which is, again, you burn predominantly carbohydrate. That first phosphate, 10 seconds, is burnt phosphates directly from the muscle. Then we burn carbohydrate. And then when we get into the aerobic system, we start burning a combination of carbohydrate and fat and a little bit of protein. And a lot of people talk about the fat burning zone. I wanna want, want to, exercise where I'm burning fat. Well, if you understand how those three systems work, is it possible that we actually don't wanna burn any fat when we're exercising? <laughs> Because when you put in a hundred percent effort, you burn a hundred percent carbohydrate. The preferred fuel source is carbohydrate, it's sugar, it's glycogen in the muscles. And what that means is that when you get puffed, when you put in a hundred percent effort, when you lift heavy, when you kick hard, when you punch hard, when you go hard at a hundred percent effort, the fuel source is carbohydrate. We only control, sorry, the controlled amount that's in our body is about half a kilo, we only store half a kilo. So what happens to our body, it needs to evolve or what if we could force it to evolve into a fat burning machine when we're resting because we're burning predominantly carbohydrate when we're exercising and that's what happens. When you go really hard constantly, people say, Rowie, how often should I exercise? My answer is always the same, how often do you want to feel good? Because every time you go at 100% effort, it's not just that you uh, increase your fuel consumption, but you change the chemical reactions in your body, including the chemical reactions in your brain. So your neurochemistry changes from Oh, boring and nothing really happening to, oh my God, we've got to get out of here. So epinephrine, adrenaline, cortisol to get going at 100% effort. And then after you have got your breath back, now you've got serotonin, dopamine, brain-derived neurotropic factor, endorphins, the, the brain chemistry that makes us feel fantastic. Ha-ha. And that doesn't come from going for a walk. If you don't force your body to change, it won't change. Yes, if you move a little bit faster than your base metabolic rate, you'll burn calories a little bit faster than your base metabolic rate, but not very much. Your base metabolic rate is how many calories your body needs at rest in a warm room. Say in a 24-hour period, how many calories does Rowie's body burn if she doesn't do anything? Base metabolic rate. Your metabolic rate changes as you increase your activity, as you, if you go outside and it's cold, you start to shiver, your metabolism will speed up a little bit, when you get stressed, your metabolism speeds up a little bit. Obviously when you move, but most importantly, when you move at 100% effort, that's when we have a major change in metabolism. But what's really exciting is not even that we burn more calories, But it's the respiratory quotient or the respiratory quotient, depending on how you say it. That's where those calories are coming from. And what happens when you get puffed and you're putting 100% effort and you're burning predominantly carbohydrate and you've only got half a kilo of carbohydrate storage, your body says, if Rowie's going to make me sprint, punch hard, kick hard, lift heavy things all the time, I want to store that half a kilo of carbohydrate. And when she's resting, we're going to prefer to burn fat. So literally what happens is we get a bigger engine because we replace the muscle that we've lost if we've gotten older, or we've kept the muscle that we've been given, or if you're a bloke, you can get more muscle. So that's the number one thing. If you're an exercise professional, please be aware that we have the ability to give people a bigger engine or to replace their wasted away engine into a bigger engine. But we also have the ability for that engine to burn an enormous amount of fuel, not just plod along slowly. And the challenge, of course, with plod along slowly is nothing changes in the body. Going for a walk is a lovely meditational experience, but the number of calories burnt and the effort required is almost the same as lying down in a warm room. Uh, the only people who burn a large amount of calories when they're walking are people who are incredibly unfit. And just that movement causes them to get puffed. But what's really awesome is that when you get puffed, you get fit. And when you get fit, you can go harder and you can go harder and you can go harder. Now, the beautiful thing is only... It's only 10 seconds so whether you are fit or unfit you can't go really hard at 100% effort for more than 10 seconds the only difference is if you're really fit you'll recover quickly if you're really unfit it's going to take a longer time to recover but isn't that awesome because that's a great hey am i getting fitter of course i'm getting fitter because i get really puffed and i recover quicker am i getting stronger am i building my engine easy to measure I'm lifting heavier than I did last time. If I can lift heavier, it means I've gotten stronger. If I've gotten stronger, it means my engine's getting bigger. I get really excited about all of this for lots of reasons, but mostly because I love to eat food. How about you? And I don't want to tell people that they can't have, must have, don't have, and I don't want their food to make them fat. As an exercise professional, I don't even want to talk about food. All I want to ask people is, do you, what do you love to eat? Let's include that in your healthy eating plan. What don't you like to eat? Let's never include that in your healthy eating plan. And now let's turn your body into a food burning, fat burning, calorie burning, protein burning, alcohol burning, sugar burning, lolly burning, chocolate burning machine, so that everything you put in gets burnt up before it can end up on the back of your arm, on your tummy, or on your bum, or your inner thighs, or all the places that we carry fat. So how about as exercise professionals, we, we are never responsible or irresponsible to, for somebody to get fat from their exercise program. And I've seen it happen. People who don't do any exercise and they don't eat any foods that they love, but they feel guilty because they can't have the foods that they love. So they start exercising, thinking now I can eat the foods that I love because I'm exercising. I've been out for a whole hour. I deserve a little reward. So they burn 500, put in 1,000, and end up getting fat from exercise. How about this? How about we put put in 1,000 but we burn up 1,200 or we put in 1,000 we burn up 1,500 because we've got a big engine and every time you put your foot down you burn an enormous amount of calories but it's not the calories even that you burn when you're exercising and of course when you exercise harder you're going to burn more calories but the key here is the change in the body chemistry, the change in the respiratory quotient. If somebody can change their ability to burn more fat at rest, and most people rest more than they exercise. So we want to burn 100% carbohydrate when we're exercising so that when we're resting, our body prefers to burn fat, which means the calories that we put in don't get a chance to turn into fat on any part of our body. One of the biggest killer diseases in the world is now type 2 diabetes. High blood sugar levels are the precursors to to type 2 diabetes. And with type 2 diabetes, of course, usually comes obesity. They go together. It's called diabetes. But the beautiful thing is when you exercise at high intensity and you burn up all those blood sugars, you burn up your blood fats, you burn up all the calories that you put into your body before they have a chance to turn into fat. And before the, the blood sugar doesn't have a chance to damage your arteries because you burn it up before it gets a chance to burn. Your uh, Insulin system, your hormonal system is working effectively. Insulin is just responsible for taking the sugar and fat and carbohydrate, the food out of your bloodstream and putting it into the cells where it belongs. And if that system's working effectively, then of course you're not going to get type 2 diabetes, which is one of the biggest killers in the world. So this beautiful thing can get wrapped up in something as simple as this get puffed to get fit and maintain your muscle to have a big engine. And if you've lost muscle, you've got a two-stroke engine, build it back to a four-stroke, six-stroke, six-cylinder, eight-cylinder, 12-cylinder jet engine. And if you're a bloke and you want to eat more food, you actually can put on more muscle size. Testosterone, human growth hormone, testicles, men the whole male thing, you lucky buggers, means that you can get a bigger engine. Women, we can't get a bigger engine. We can just replace the engine size that we might've lost as we've gotten older. Or as, and this is why I love saying that I'm old. I can have as fast a metabolism, as bigger engine as I did when I was 20. Because what happens is most people, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, they go from a V8 to a V6 to a four cylinder to a two stroke. And they're burning up fuel at a very tiny little two-stroke engine rate, but they're putting the same amount of food in. Well, I'm the opposite. Because I've been fit and strong and healthy my whole entire life, the amount of food that I ate at 20, I'm actually eating more food now and thoroughly enjoying it because I've got this bloody big engine. It's called Lots of Muscle and I've maintained it and I just love that. So if you want to eat what you love and not have to diet, if you want to eat what you love and get the best out of your exercise. And if you if you want to make sure that your exercise doesn't make you fat. I'll say that again because wouldn't that be just so awful? If somebody started an exercise pro- program and put on weight. How about we make sure that never happens because we give people the best exercise possible. Big engine that burns up a lot of fuel. Big engine, fast metabolism. Big engine, brain that's happy all the time. And then our food and our exercise become a, a, a beautiful part of our life rather than something that we stress about. And wouldn't that be awesome?